What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad, where we talk about the post-jazz game and all things sports-related. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad, another episode of After the Game. Thanks, Spencer, for hanging in tonight. I don't think either one of us really want to be here and do this podcast after, gosh, a tough loss by the Utah Jazz, back-to-back losses in Florida, last night to Miami, and tonight to the Orlando Magic, who I think were two and six going into this game. So this is a tough one. This is one of those where you look back, if you're a game behind someone in the standings and it's near the end of the season, that you go, oh my gosh, how did we lose in Orlando? What do you think, Spence? Dumb. I just think it was dumb. Um, For some reason, this is something that I talk about. Every single basketball team seems to have the best game against the Jazz for whatever reason. Maybe we could dive into it, but I think this will be the best game of the season for Orlando by far. They came out and didn't miss a shot in the first quarter, it seemed like, and we went down by 13. But then we really got control of the game and started winning, and and it kind of just seemed like, okay, like, slow start, we'll finish strong, or not even have to finish strong, we'll just finish and win, because why would we lose to Orlando? But, again, Orlando just didn't miss shots. They stayed in there. For some reason, got energy against – I don't know why teams can somehow just get energy against the number one team in the league. But for some reason, they feel like they can come back and win because they do, which is really frustrating. And so why do you think these teams are having – because last night, you look at um, Miami, they had the best game of their season. Now Orlando's having the best game of their season. Why are Jazz, even though they're the best team in the league, some nights – Why do they allow mediocre teams to have great performances? Well, there's a lot to break down here tonight. Um, First of all, you're right. Teams get up for the Utah Jazz. You've been saying it throughout this season in these podcasts. Teams want to get out and beat the Jazz. I think it's because teams also see we don't really have a killer instinct. There is no fear against the Utah Jazz. I'm not saying that other teams have it, but I will tell you, teams don't necessarily want to play Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Teams don't want to play Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. Teams somewhat don't want to play the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler. There are teams out there that fear other teams, fear good teams, and there is no fear. For Orlando Magic, who basically were playing five to seven to eight players all night, who haven't had more than, what, two years in the league, three years in the league? There wasn't really, outside of Terrence Ross, a great veteran on that team. They just had no fear, no fear at all of the Utah Jazz. And it showed tonight and they shot lights out and we were terrible at 38% shooting. Yeah. So Cole Anthony randomly goes off and puts up 33 points just out of nowhere. Um, And then you got Wendell Carl Jr. who had a great game. He had six assists and 15 rebounds out of nowhere. Um, I mean, you could argue that um, what's his name? Like there are some players that who was the one that was guarding Mitchell? Is that well, there, was a, there was a rookie guarding Mitchell tonight who actually had the game of a lifetime and hit the game winner basically, and and uh, that was R.J. Hampton that he had eight points and just really stuck it to Donovan Mitchell tonight. Mitchell was in foul trouble, and you also got to take this into consideration. They played last night. They got on a plane late and they played a couple hours earlier than usual on a Sunday night. So time was a little bit off for them, and the back-to-back games caught up with them. 
There was a comment by the Orlando Magic announcers, which I caught, and mm-hmm. they said, um, let's see how it was like 95, 95. Let's see how the Magic close, a team that has no experience in closing. They actually called their own team out on the broadcast. Yeah. They have no experience in closing against a Jazz team, which has mega minutes of closing. And guess who closed it out? The Orlando Magic. That was that's the most frustrating thing for me. Not that we lost and not that it was close, but how we closed it out, which it looked silly how we ran, went down the last probably yeah. minute or two. Well, and I think that's just because that comes without having Conley on the floor. He sat out again. He's going to sit out most back-to-backs, if not all back-to-backs, for whatever reason. I know he's old, and it probably does help long-term over the season, and this should have been a game where we didn't even need him. But not having Conley to compose the team and control the momentum really hurts. And then Mitchell didn't score a point. I think he only scored two points in the fourth quarter. He averages the most points in a third quarter right now in the league with about 9.6. And he put up about eight or nine points in the third quarter to give us a good lead, but then was completely out in the fourth quarter, mainly because of foul problems. We, we, we talked about how a lot of refs are calling him for driving now, which is kind of annoying. But, a little bit of a push off. Yep. Yeah. And so he was out because of foul trouble. Then when he was in, he was off. A big reason why we lost tonight was because of Jordan Clarkson's terrible performance. It's hard to criticize him because he's such a likable player and we like him a lot, but didn't play tonight as well as we want him to. And he hasn't been doing that for a while. Um, but a silver lining is Gobert was back to a really good game. Gobert had 21 points and 15 rebounds with four blocks. That's a great game for, for our center. Even O'Neal, yeah. O'Neal played up pretty well. He had 14 points and shot uh, 66 from the three. Yeah, O'Neal has had a couple of you know, really good games back-to-back, and uh, you, it's a good point that you make there. Uh, his defense, when the Magic do what they did, there's a breakdown someplace, and so the defense wasn't that great. The center position tonight gave the Jazz, between uh, Gobert and Whiteside, 33 points and 25 rebounds. Our center position is playing really well, but it was the guard line tonight. And quite frankly, as you pointed out, the play of Jordan Clarkson, he was two of 13 with three turnovers. It seemed like more turnovers than that. And he just has been in a mega slump. Atlanta, he bailed us out. However, if you go back to that game, he actually put us in the position to be bailed out how bad he played in the first half turned it on the second half last night was not a good night and tonight was not a good night at all. So, um, and, and when Clarkson's playing bad and then you combine that with Ingles, not really having a great night, two for nine from the field and Bogdanovich four from 13 from the field. That means that your kind of big players without Mitchell were nine of, I can't even start adding um, 35 tonight. And we ended up shooting 38% and only 19% from three points, eight of 42. And yet we were still in the game. It just shows you we are a great team. However, you can't have shooting nights like this when you have an all-star like Donovan Mitchell on the floor and a sixth man of the year and Jordan Clarkson on the floor and Ingles a runner up to the sixth man of the year. You've got to play much better. Well, I mean, like it is Orlando Magic. I don't know. Even if you have a bad game, you should be able to beat the Orlando Magic. It's just so frustrating. And this might be a, a motif or a theme for the Jazz. Just no one is afraid of the Jazz. They might be soft, but these teams, mediocre teams, okay teams, any team 
is going to come out and play their best season against the Jazz, best game of the season against the Jazz. And that's really frustrating and something that the Jazz have to be prepared for. And maybe they kind of walked in this one a little tired and, and not really concerned about having to play hard, but they got to shoot better. There's a quote, and I want to see what you think of it, by Dion Waiters. He said, I'd rather go zero for 30 than zero for nine because you go zero for nine, that means you stop shooting. That means you lost confidence. What do you think of that? If you're shooting really bad, do you keep shooting and try to get out of it or what? It's been the jazz mantra to do exactly what uh, Dion Waiters quotes there. It, we, we do keep shooting. <laughs> Let's face it. We That's kept shooting bad, tonight. That's what I want to know. Tonight and we were eight for 42 and we will continue to keep shooting. I do think that Jordan's got to square up. He's got to stop running around and fading and drifting or running into it. Let's start setting the right screens for him. Let's start putting him in the position where he needs to play and have him make those shots. The same with Ingles. Our, our screen game hasn't seemed too good. And maybe it's, maybe we're tired. I mean, we're seven and three, still a great start to the season and we need a break. We need to get a little bit of rest. The challenge is the next game is at home, and I believe it's against the uh, the Atlanta Hawks. They're going to come back and say, hey, we're going to play you tough now. So it doesn't get much easier for us, but I think you still keep shooting. I do believe that Clarkson should keep shooting. He's What he needs to do is understand maybe that shot's not right for me. I'll give it up and tone it back a little bit and find the place where he can really square up and shoot. Yeah, hopefully the Jazz can put it together kind of what else is going on around the league. The um, Cavaliers just beat the Knicks. I think Ru uh, Ricky Rubio went off and had 35 points in, in Madison Square Garden, which is kind of funny. Um, so talk about random players going off. I mean, if you're a Knicks fan, you don't expect Ricky Rubio to put up more than 30 points in a game. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at it. 37 points, 10 assists. And three rebounds. Good for Ricky Rubio. And good that the Cavaliers didn't spoil a great game by Ricky, by, by Ricky Rubio. So uh, fantastic. Jared Allen also added 18 points and 17 rebounds. I've always liked him since his days in Brooklyn. Uh, wish the Jazz maybe would have gone after him, but totally understand what Whiteside is doing at, at, a, at a good rate and not expensive. And then Darius Garland for the Cavs had 16. Uh, Evan Mobley for the Cavs had 26. So to go into the Garden and beat the Knicks uh, on a night when Julius Randle had 19 points, Fournier with 15, Derrick Rose with 17, and our own Alec Burks with 10. Pretty heady by the Cleveland Cavaliers, who uh, really haven't had that great of a season yet, but you go into New York and get a win against the Knicks team that's pretty good this year. Pretty pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. I, I, I don't know if you saw the, the game winner by Luca the other night. I think it was last night. Yeah, I did. I saw that. Just <laughs> they couldn't have played any better defense. And that guy hits that shot. It just shows the strength of Luka Doncic. You look at him, he's a big kid. And that is what has made him a superstar. And yet to be able to do what he does, it, it's, it just shows the strength that he has. I think it was an off balance, you know, fadeaway three that he hit to win that game. So you got to give him credit. He's a, he's a superstar and deserving of all the accolades that he gets. Yeah, definitely um, blessed by the, the NBA gods. 
But if you look at the Pacers beating the Kings, I guess that's kind of good for us because the Pacers aren't really a team that's going to win much. And so they beat an East or Western Conference team, that's good. And then the Bucks lost to the Wizards. So the Bucks are really struggling at the first 10 games of the season. They're four and six. Kind of a weird start for them. But overall, I mean, yeah, I think they've been, they've been missing. We went in, we went in, um, well, we know they're missing Middleton uh, and they're missing Drew Holiday, uh, DiVincenzo. So they're missing some people, but totally get it. A lot of teams miss people and don't go four and six. Um, but I think tonight, did the Brooklyn Nets drop a game tonight? Um, let me just see where they are tonight. No, they won, but they're seven and three. You can talk all you want about the Jazz and how we've had a rough 48 hours and we're still seven and three and up there with some of these great teams. I think the game to watch tonight, which should be a win, is going to be Golden State and Houston. So what that will do is it'll make Golden State the best team in the league at eight and one after tonight and Philly at eight and two. Um, still proud of the Jazz. They're still seven and three and in the West and we'll make up these losses. It's just if we get down to one game at the end of the season and in the regular season, we'll look back on tonight and go, oh man, what happened? Seriously. So I just wanted to ask you, what do you think of Conley? Like, do you think this is a good move to keep him out? I mean, obviously, like, it, if I, I would have agreed with Quinn in this one, yeah, we're playing Orlando Magic. He can take a rest. But is this going to be something teams are going to know that we're going to lack when we do back-to-backs? I think it will get interesting. I'd have to go look at the schedule. Maybe I can pull it out in a minute. If we go back to back and it's late in the season and we know that a win really matters in our playoff alignment, I think you'll see him play. Let's be clear. I'm okay losing to the Magic tonight with Conley staying healthy and not playing on a back to back than going against the Clippers in the playoffs and not having him available. So we're rolling the dice and we're, we're, we're saying let's keep him healthy. Let's not roll him out there where he can get exhausted during the season and keep his hamstrings fresh. So if this works, we will look back on a night like tonight, different than what I said a minute ago and say, man, I'm glad we held Conley out because he looks fresh in the playoffs. I, I go back to a question I asked the other night, which is, would you rather have Donovan sit out or would you rather have Conley sit out? We clearly want Donovan in the game. So I'm going to go towards let's have Conley sit out, but boy, the calmness, that Conley brings to the team when he's on the floor is really, really important this season. Yeah, we're definitely almost nothing without Conley. Our two losses have, or two of our three losses have come without him on the court. And I think we got to remember that we're looking at the big picture here, right? We got to remember that we're a championship or bust team right now. We're going to, we're, our attitude and our motivation is to win the finals, not to just be the number one team in the league. We've already done that. We're trying to make sure that our, players are the best situation the best condition to win the finals. So I, I guess you kind of got to trust almost like Philadelphia, trust the process and just hope that, that, that our coach coaching staff and our management know what they're doing in order to get us a ring, not just a, not just a league title. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, trust the process and trust the coaches and, and trust the, the staff. So we will listen if we were four and six and this loss came, I'd be worried. We're seven and three in this loss game, and we were in this game. 
we just uh, Mitchell had a little bit of an off night down the stretch and Clarkson just didn't shoot well. So let me um, move over to the uh, 75th anniversary team and give you a little bit of an, uh, of the next one in our alphabetical order. So, so far this season, we have reviewed five players, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Ray Allen, Giannis, Carmelo Anthony, Nate Archibald. And now tonight we're going to do Paul Arizon. So some people will say, well, who's Paul Arizon? You know, so-and-so should have made the list or so-and-so should have made the list. Let me just tell you, this is a guy who played for the Philadelphia Warriors. He played um, in the seasons that 1951 and 52 season, 53, 54, 54, 55. So at the beginning of the league, he ushered in the jump shot. If you go back in videos of old players playing, they saw they shot set shots, which means they would set their feet and push the ball up. He was the pioneer of the jump shot. And let's be clear before we take him off the list. This is an NBA champion, a 10 time NBA all-star four time, all NBA teammate one-time NBA Rookie of the Year and two-time NBA scoring champion. So the statistics and the accolades make him worthy of being on the 75th anniversary team. The only question I would have when you see big numbers like this by players of that, of the, that era, there were less teams, uh, there was less travel, and the competition was just growing. The athleticism was there and probably, probably not at the height of today's athleticism. But I will say this. I'm a big believer that if you gave a player in the 50s and 60s an opportunity to be reincarnated and come back and play in today's NBA and give them the training, the diet, the weightlifting, and all the programs that go with it, I think that they would match up very nicely in today's game. So I'm going to keep Paul Arizon on the list because of his accolades and him ushering in the NBA's jump shot. You don't think there's anybody else that should deserve this over him more? I think we need to go back. We did it in that first episode of this year and go back and, and uh, maybe in one of our episodes, maybe the next episode, do it again, go back and say, what about these five, right? And keep them in mind and say, well, what about him? Would you put him on or off the list? I think Arizon is a little bit of a question mark because it was in the 50s and 60s and the start of the NBA and today's athleticism is far and away better. But it's hard for me to judge because if I bring Paul Arizon into the league now and put him in his prime, maybe he's a big body, a great shooter, um, an NBA champion, and has the training to, to be on the team. But just fun to go back and see some of these older gentlemen. And, and when you think about it and, and you have the, the headline that he ushered in or was the pioneer of the jump shot, it's kind of fun to see him on the 75th anniversary team. Yeah. So there's one player who's not on the 75 list that we, I don't know if we talked about, but he is the only player to have a winning record against Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. Do you have any idea who he is? Oh, wow. Dwight Howard? I have no idea. No. So Chauncey Billups, he's not on the 75. He is the only player in history to have a winning record against Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. And he's not on the 75 list. And he has an NBA championship and he has, I think like MVP or, or something during the championship. Yeah. So someone that Chauncey's just- very well deserving. That's why maybe the list isn't 75. It should be a hundred. And then once you get to a hundred, there's probably another five or six guys that are more great catch though on Chauncey Billups. I like it, Spence. I really like Chauncey. I think if you look at his overall career stats, they don't 
pop as loudly as maybe some of the other ones. That'd be my only thing about Chauncey is the overall career statistics. But you're right, he's an NBA champion, probably an NBA finals MVP when he won that championship. He was a mainstay of the Detroit Pistons when they won that championship and played really well for the Denver Nuggets. So I like Chauncey a lot. And boy, if you have a winning percentage against those great players, you're well-deserving of being on that 75th anniversary team. Yeah, well, there'll probably be more. We'll definitely have to narrow down the, the other five that might be more deserving and, and when we go about this. but Absolutely. We, we should do that and, and jot it down. But tough night tonight for the Jazz. They fall to seven and three. They'll have a night off. And then I believe we're back on Tuesday night at home. Let me just make sure. Maybe you've got yeah. the schedule in front of you. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, so back at home on Tuesday against the Hawks, I believe. Is that right? Yep, Atlanta. All right. Well, that will be a, a good game for us uh, to test if this slump is real or if it's not. And maybe sleeping in our own bed. Um, boy, if we get on a flight tonight, we'll get home early a.m. in Salt Lake City. So they'll have a chance to sleep in tomorrow. Probably won't have any practice tomorrow and then shoot around before the game on Tuesday after a good yeah. night's sleep Monday night. Just before so. we wrap up, there was some drama with um, the Hawks, speaking of the Hawks, and the referee. Apparently, referee Kevin Scott was seen making crybaby eyes to someone complaining on the Hawks bench. And then over a call that he made on Trey Young. And then Trey Young asked him, he said, you didn't see that foul? And then the ref gave him a technical. So Trey Young said, I guess it's personal with some of these guys. So I don't know if that was super professional by Kevin Scott. He was making crybaby eyes to someone on the Hawks because of a missed call that they thought happened and then gave Trey Young a technical when he asked why he didn't get the call. Yeah, the referees, this is, this is a profession and a tough job. However, they need to stay away from the emotion of it all. So that's while Trey Young might have been in the wrong and whining, and maybe during the whole game he was whining and this ref had had enough, refs are trained to stay unemotional. Um, so that's not right by him. And gosh, it's tough. We're going to see. Maybe they take action on this ref. The challenge is being a ref in the NBA, man, I, I, I do not envy that. I sit back on my couch sometimes and say, oh, I could do that job. There's probably no way I could even last a game. That is a tough, tough job, especially when these players are witching and moaning and whining. Um, but the ref needs to stay neutral as as painful as it can be. Yeah, so the Hawks are definitely going to come out with a new game. We beat them already, so hopefully we can hold them off one more time. Absolutely. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks, Dad.